police have done to me. They knock us out, they put us down. They knock us out, they put us down. There will be justice in this town. 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 Oh, Papa, Papa, can't you see? Papa, Papa, can't you see? What police have done to me? What police have done to me? They knock us out. That is Devin Barrington Ward, a community organizer in Atlanta, leading the crowd in song outside the Georgia World Congress Center, where the annual American Public Health Association meeting is taking place this week. This is Anna for Indigo Radio, and today, November 14th, I was there at the Congress Center attending the rally and had a chance to both talk to a couple of speakers at the rally and get a number of recorded speeches. The rally was organized by public health workers that are against Cop City. They had written a policy statement on the health impacts of Cop City here in Atlanta, which the APHA Joint Policy Committee refused to move forward with. APHA publishes the American Journal of Public Health and thousands gather for their annual meeting to share and present on current research. For those of our listeners that are not sure of what Cop City is, I'm gonna read from the pamphlet that was being handed out today at the rally. The city of Atlanta has leased 381 acres of Wilani Forest to the Atlanta Police Foundation for a militarized police training facility funded by corporations. At the price of 90 million, it includes a mock city to practice urban warfare tear gas and explosives testing, dozens of shooting ranges, and a Black Hawk helicopter landing pad. It is located in a majority Black area, resulting in significant disenfranchisement and continued racism against its residents who have few easily accessible official channels to register the dissent. The project is supported by the Atlanta Committee for Progress, which is composed over 40 corporate elites, including the CEOs of Coca-Cola, Home Depot, and Cox, with an aim to further the surveillance of the population, stifle dissent, and create conditions for gentrification of the city. And that description is adapted from the community movement builders that are here in Atlanta and are working amongst many other groups against the building of Cop City. And Cop City is a public health issue. And this rally was held to say that Cop City is a public health issue and should be on the APH agenda as part and as part of their policy statement on health. You'll hear a number of speakers from the rally, and I had a chance to talk to one doctor, Dr. Katie Huffling, about the importance of having this rally at APHA. We're going to start, though, with Rita Valenti, Rita is based in Atlanta, and she was a staff nurse for 28 years with the Grady Hospital in trauma and HIV AIDS. Rita was a founder of Project South, which was founded in 1986, which is an organization rooted in the legacy of the Southern Freedom Movement. Hello, y'all. Just want to welcome you to Georgia. Welcome. (laughs) I want to welcome you to Georgia, where we have increasing brutality that is legally protected by the laws the legislature is passing. Where yesterday, during a march to stop block 
to stop Cop City, peaceful demonstrators were tear gassed, flashbang, and attacked by the police. I want to welcome you to join me. We're a very vague and sweeping RICO statute and domestic terrorism charges have been brought against our people for crimes like mutual aid, bail funds, providing food and posters, some of which you may be holding today, for people protesting uh, Cop City. Welcome to Georgia, where our healthcare institutions are complicit with the rise of a carceral state, whether through institutional identifications with the Atlanta Police Foundation, which is the leading driving force behind the development of Cop City, that is a who's who of Georgia corporations, or whether our healthcare institutions are complicit through their silence, through terminating people, doctors, other people, who are speaking out against the genocide uh, in Gaza, who are speaking for cease and desist. Welcome to Georgia. Welcome to Georgia, where half of our people, half of the counties in Georgia, have no OBGYN at all. Nine counties with no physicians at all. And yet we have one of the highest, if not the highest rate, of maternal and infant mortality in the state. Where black babies die at twice the rate of our white sisters, and black women die at three to five times the rate of our white sister. Welcome to Georgia, though. Also want to welcome you to the Georgia that closed the Irwin County detention, ICE detention. You were sparked by a nurse that worked at that center who told us that they were sterilizing women who were coming from the Caribbean, from Central America, seeking peace, seeking justice, seeking safety, and instead received unconsented sterilizations and unnecessary exposure to COVID uh, when the pandemic was raging, as it still is. Welcome to Georgia, where we have uh, over 350,000 people have been purged from the Medicare rolls with the end of the public health emergency. Has the public health emergency really ended? No. And I'm not just talking about a pandemic, right? I'm talking about the kind of healthcare statistics that those of us engaged in public health know in personal, deep, soulful ways. And welcome to Georgia where the people of our city and of our state were able to obtain over 116,000 signatures on a petition to put Cop City on the ballot during scorching hot heat a climate crisis-induced summer. Welcome to Georgia. And we welcome you more than anything else to a loving, moving, developing, relationship-building, social, working-class movement in our state that will not be stopped, that will not be, that is based on love and a hatred of injustice, but a love for each other. We are deeply rooted, while the soles of our shoes may be bare, the soles of our heart are warm are warm with the love that we bring to you today for coming to our state, and warm with the ancestry that we hold so dear, that we know so well in the South. We speak 
we are under the banner of Hero Heroes and Heroines and Fannie Lou Hamer's words, nobody is free till everybody is free. 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 Welcome to Georgia. everybody. My name is Devin Franklin. I am Movement Policy Counsel for the Southern Center for Human Rights here in Atlanta. I've been in this role for about a year and a half doing policy work. Prior to this, I was a public defender here in Atlanta for 12 years. I stood beside those people who found themselves at the business end of the intentionality of the harmful justice system and policing. I stood with people and fought for people who sat in jails wishing they had health care, wishing they had access to resources and access to other things that will not bring them in the arms of the criminal justice system. And now I do work to try to rectify the many wrongs that, that, that inhabit these, these city streets. Part of the work that I have done, or been a part of rather, has been working alongside community with Dominique and Women on the Rise to repurpose the Atlanta City Detention Center into a place of health, wellness, and equity for community members. But the city doesn't want that. They want to invest $2 billion in a new jail. And to that we say, Hell We say care, not cages. Care, not cages! They want to invest millions of dollars in a police training facility. And to that we say, It is amazing that they, these politicians lie to our faces about the alleged need for more cages and more policing in a state that has more people under correctional supervision than any other in the, in the country. In a city that is the most surveilled city in the United States of America. They want more policing and more cages. They tell you that more police make us safer. And to that we say, hell no! They, will not, they do not barter in issues of truth. They seek to hide the truth from our eyes, to fool us, to, 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 to have us invest more in these structures of degradation. How many of you all know that Atlanta Police Department is one of the most well-funded, well-staffed, and well-trained police departments in the country? And I do not say that arbitrarily. Per statistics from the Mapping Police Violence website, from Atlanta's own use of force dashboard, shout out to Uncle McCoy Gay in the corner. Atlanta has more police officers per capita than 89% of police departments in the country. Atlanta has more funding per capita than 71% of police departments in the country. Does that sound like a police department that needs more resources? Yeah. And you may ask yourself, with all these officers and all of these resources, what does it go to? 50% of Atlanta police department arrests are for low-level and non-violent offenses. 
Atlanta arrests people at a higher rate for low-level offenses than 85% of police departments in the country. What does that mean? That means that all of this money that goes towards officers and all of the money that goes towards resources and funding for Atlanta Police Department are used to target and punish poor people, black people, brown people in the city of Atlanta. And the stats back it up even further. Black Atlantans are 14.6 times more likely and Latinx people are three and a half times more likely to be arrested for low-level, non-violent offenses than a white person in the city of Atlanta. Black Atlanta residents make up over 90% of overall arrests by Atlanta Police Department. And this is in a city that is less than 50% black. 88% of people killed by Atlanta Police Department are black. Atlanta Police Department has more racial disparities in their use of force than 83% of police departments in the country. Does that sound like a black mecca to you? No. And they tell us that training will stop this, that we need to have a multi-million dollar facility for officers to take classes to fix this. But Atlanta's own use of force website tells you a story that is otherwise. It tells you that Atlanta Police Department officers receive more training than officers across the United States of America. They are lying in our faces. They are playing in our faces. And to that we say, Hell no! Stop Cop City. Thank you. Thank you for gathering here today. I stand here as Women on the Rise campaign and community organizer. For the past five years, we fought tirelessly against the city to get them to do what's right. Our alliance was able, to, was able to almost empty a jail, fundraise to provide clear insight on how public officials can repurpose this building, and we still landed in a state of over-incarceration and policing. What are we doing here? Although we lost that fight, Women on the Rise have committed to continue to do the work in other ways. We know that people, keeping people in cages isn't good for the community and its overall health, and we know the profound impact. That's our... <laughs> We knew that we had to sacrifice ourselves and our organizations to really and truly empower the community and to get people off the floors of these prisons. Through that, we contracted with Brady and we provide re-entry services to women that are coming out and we have seen some of the worst and some of the most disgusting treatment that anyone could have ever imagined. When we, when we took the fight, that sacrifice was made and we knew that we reached the point, we had reached the point of what it meant to see people fully dying. And that meant being eating alive by bedbugs at Fulton County Jail. The current state of Fulton County, of Fulton County Jail poses serious threats to the well-being of our community. Overcrowded and under-resourced, it, it fosters an environment where contagious diseases can spread rapidly, jeopardizing not only the incarcerated individuals, but also our entire population, because we want them back in community. The answer is not more, more jails, but it has always been to put people back in the community where they belong, and we have proven time and time again that this can be done. We sent a clear message that we prioritize health and safety for every Atlantan. It's time to invest in alternatives that focus on rehabilitation and address the root causes of, of our community rather than perpetuating a cycle of incarceration. Let us stand together advocating for a healthier, safer Atlanta. 
Closing the detention center is not only about justice, but it's about safeguarding the community, and we cannot do that with over-policing, so stop Cop City! Of Deacon, Church Deacon Johnny Holman from Traffic Stop just this year. It was the cab PD that took the life of Zadok Williams a few miles from here, who was suffering a mental health crisis, and it was Georgia State Patrol that took the life of Tortuguita. We need the right responses to the right problems that our community space policing is not it. Our next speaker is Felipe. He's a healthcare worker who works and organizes in Los Angeles. He's a communist organizer with the Progressive Labor Party and active and abolitionist organizer. He helps organize healthcare workers to help shut down or get legislation to shut down the Los Angeles jail. Thank you, Felipe. What's up, y'all? If there was a tent that connected our struggle right here to our siblings in Gaza right now, it's the one that's booming in the streets, in front of hospitals and campuses. Y'all know it, right? Biden, Biden, you can't hide! Biden, Biden, you can't hide! Say, Biden, Biden, you can't hide! Biden, Biden, you can't hide! We we charge you with genocide! We charge you with genocide! We charge you with genocide! Before he's been called Genocide Joe, he was also called Jim Crow Joe. When we think about the militarization of the police, when we think about mass incarceration that is 50 years old, this is not a new concept. He was the architect under Reagan drafting legislation against drugs that was code for a war on black people in this country, on Latin people in this country, on immigrants in this country, on working class people in this country. And when we think about Gaza as being an open air prison, we have to look at the numerous zip codes around this country that are heavily surveilled, police patrolling them, more likely to go to jails and prisons and college, this is the country we live in, and it's been, it's not only not right, how many of us voted for these individuals? How many of us supported reforms and legislation that on the one hand came off as pro-worker, pro-civil rights, and they're the same individuals that on the flip side are creating wars on crime the same year, this is LBJ, the same year the Voting Rights Act was passed. We have to think about these reforms much like we think about the 13th Amendment. We all know about the exception, right? The exception of that amendment within the same legislation to free slaves, it gave the legislation to incarcerate us and make us slaves to this day in this country. The Democrats, the liberals are just as bad and proven just as bad as Republicans. It didn't start with Nixon, it started with LBJ. And it started with Trump, it started with Clinton. And it started at the local level. When we think about Maynard Jackson here, Tom Bradley in LA where I'm from, Maynard Barry in DC, Detroit, Chicago. There have been black and brown liberals who on the one hand created some, you know, reforms that, that certainly we should celebrate, but on the other hand, are part of a state apparatus that cannot be reformed. If there's any lesson 
that we're learning from the armed resistance guys is that that's actually what it takes. It takes organized armed resistance, and don't confuse that with condoning Hamas, because they're not revolutionary. But there are working people taking up arms all around the world who recognize, and maybe not yet recognize, that capitalism is really the ultimate source. When we think about how I work in HIV and try to prevent HIV, and we talk about PrEP and all kinds of you know, toolkits, biomedical toolkits, if we're not talking about capitalism, if we're not talking about racist unemployment, if we're not talking about the houselessness that they try to resolve through criminalization, and they're doubling and tripling down on this shit, none of this is new. So I think we, as we think about Stop the Cop City here in Atlanta, this is not the start, but the continuation, the continuation of militarization, of policing of working class people in this country, and we need multiracial unity, and yes, ultimately, armed resistance against the capitalist state not trying to, uh, to, to vote folks into it. There are folks right now who would be here, they're in the governing council right now, who are trying to get a resolution passed for this really conservative institution, APHA, to take a position on this genocide. So as we talk about genocide, Joe, you have to be thinking about the APHA as towing the Democratic line. So here in solidarity with, with folks here in Atlanta in this fight, LA got the largest jail on the planet. They are not closing it. They passed various reforms and revolutions that yes, we want like Measure J, like the alternative incarceration, and we should celebrate those things but not fool ourselves that that's the end. Thank you. 90 million down the drain. Andre Dickens, that's Our next speaker. Our next speaker is Omid. He's a member and organizer with the End Police Violence Collective as well as public health faculty in the University of Washington. Omid. Yo, give it up for all the speakers so far, right? I'm really honored to share some thoughts with you all today. Uh, first off, I'm here in solidarity with those here across the country fighting against any unhealthy system, state violence, oppression, colonialism, domestically and abroad and every person who works tirelessly each day to fight for the health and well-being of our communities. Thank you. All of us here are public health workers. Oh, there, I hit the spot, there All of us here are public health workers in some shape or form. And as public health workers, we always, always will have a role to identify, study, and address health issues regardless of where it takes place and what causes it. But we can't stop at just defining the problem which public health tends to do. We can research, we can research, we can research, but we have to make sure that we translate what we already know, what the community already knows, into action and policy, and do so in partnership with them. Absolutely. So today, we recommit our public health role to treat police violence as a public health issue. To address the health harms of the carceral system. To advance abolitionist public health strategies that address root causes and unhealthy conditions that our communities live in. We need healthy systems where everyone has what they need when they most need it. Now, if you didn't know, even the APHA has policy statements that explicitly names everything I just said. This is our public health work. So we must work towards a world where instead of relying on tools of policing or the carceral system, we utilize tools rooted in health justice and public health has a role to play. But let me say one thing, for public health to do this without creating harm, we must first 
confront the extent at which public health willingly cooperates, tacitly approves, or even proactively participates in systems of policing and the carceral system. These are all systems that we know from the data not only create health harms for individuals, families, and their communities, our communities, but are also not effective in what they claim to do. The healthiest communities are not the ones with the most police, are not the ones with the most punitive militaristic tactics, the most criminalization. As public health workers, we already know what the healthy, healthiest communities need. And those are where everyone's basic human needs are met. Right? We've already heard it today. Education, housing, community-based mental health services. I could go on, right? We all could. This is the primary prevention model, the social determinants of health. These are the frameworks that public health so lovingly espouses within our institutions, but yet doesn't apply them consistently or when it's most needed. So let's not pick and choose when we apply them. These are, in fact, public health issues, and a truly healthy community will actually be one that is also just and fair, where its institutions are life-affirming, not the other way around. Our work is building new systems of public safety and wellness with accountability those most harmed, and I want to lastly say that this is also domestic and international work as well. Our work is intertwined with those abroad fighting for human rights, their right to exist, their bodily autonomy, their peace all across the world. When we invest in militarization here, like Cop City, we are indirectly investing in militarization and state violence, genocide, and war abroad as well. When we invest in policing, we invest in U.S. law enforcement and Israeli occupying forces, trading tactics, and training. This means that the tear gas that gets thrown in Ferguson or Minneapolis or the walls we build on our southern border is the same tear gas and is the same wall we see thrown and built in Gaza and the West Bank. Our work is connected to the people all over the world, whether it's Palestine and Israel, the people of Armenia, Iran, Sudan, the Congo. Let's not forget how all of our humanities are intertwined. We can advance health justice, but only if we untangle true public health work from the unhealthy systems that undermine our best efforts. And with that, thank you for listening. And please, please stay human. South Cop City. This is Anna for Indigo Radio, and I'm here outside of the APHA conference in Atlanta, Georgia, with Dr. Katie Huffling. And we were just at a rally for Stop Cop City. And Katie, can you first tell me about, tell us what Cop City is? Sure. So Cop City is a police training facility that's being built in one of the last large forested area in any urban area in the country. It's around a thousand acres of this beautiful forested land and they're taking um, almost 400 acres for this facility. The facility, the, um, this forest is surrounded by a predominantly black, low-income community. And in this facility, um, they'll be creating training areas for urban warfare, urban um, police, kind of militaristic policing, their um, shooting ranges, as well as landing pads for Black Hawk helicopters. So it's a very militaristic training facility. And these communities are going to be hearing gunfire constantly. I just, I can't even imagine the stress that that's going to put on these communities who've already faced, you know, generations of racism and, um, you know, so many difficulties related to 
you know, being black in the South. And tell me why is it Cop City a public health issue? There's two different issues. You know, they're creating this, you know, militaristic police training facilities, spending millions of dollars where they could be spending that money on things like health care, public transportation, mental health resources, affordable housing, all these things that support health. Instead, they're spending millions of dollars on this facility. And then also, you know, we are in a climate crisis and chopping down almost 400 acres of trees, reducing that, the, you know, that canopy um, is going to increase air pollution, decrease air, air quality, increase heat in, in that area. In, in this time of a climate emergency, we should be doing the exact opposite mm-hmm. of this. And lastly, I want to ask you, so we're here at APHA, I'm also attending American uh-huh. Public Health annual yeah. meeting. Why um, did you all choose to come out here and have a ra- hold a rally at APHA? It's the biggest public health conference in the country, and the community came to public health nurses and asked for help. And we feel like it is our duty, if we want to be true community allies, that if they're asking for help, then we need to come out and help them. And I can understand why local public health nurses may be hesitant to speak out, you know, especially if they're um, employers are the government, they may not be able to speak out. And so we're here as a national organization, so we can use our trusted voice to partner with these communities in their time of need. Cop cities are being built everywhere because they're a prerequisite to maintain an untenable status quo. We're in a pandemic and epidemic of preventable suffering and premature death that our patients, our community members, our loved ones face. Cop City will not solve any of these problems, but exacerbate them all. Our last speaker for today is Devin Barrington Moore. He's a senior community organizer, Black Futures Group, and with Community Over Cages here in Atlanta.
the truth of the matter is, is that we are not the black Mecca. We are far from it. We're a black fantasy. We believe that we are free here. We believe that we have achieved the vision of Dr. King. We believe that we have accomplished and have overcome, but far from it. They pacify us with black leadership. They pacify us with a black mayor and a black majority city council that doesn't love black people. They pacify us with a district attorney who will go after Donald Trump, but rarely goes after the police. They pacify us. They pacify us. I'm done being pacified. I'm done being pacified. Last time I checked, I was 33 years old, not three months. I don't need a pacifier. I need the truth, and we all need the truth. Public health is grounded in truth and reality and facts, and the fact of the matter is we are far from public health. Far from it. Last week, last week, I went to tour the notorious Fulton County Jail. The jail where a man was eaten alive by lice and bedbugs. Shame! Shame! In the city of Dr. King. In the city that's supposed to be too busy to hate. Well, what did that mean for LaShawn Thompson? He's the young man who was eaten alive by lice in that Fulton County jail cell. When detention officers tried to convince people who got common sense that them jail cells are clean every day and we know damn well that's not the truth. We are in a city where we have a mayor who double-crossed us. A mayor who is loved by the president, who is loved by all of these national leaders, who thinks that he's on the trajectory for national leadership, but if I have anything to do for it, he will not. We have a mayor who breaks his promises, who lies, who makes backroom deals, who says that he loves black people, but his policy does not reflect that. And where you are from, you have mayors, you have governors, you have members of Congress who are all like him, who will lie, who will sign their name to close the city jail and then double cross us and make a backroom deal with our sheriff who doesn't know how to keep people safe inside of jail because there's no such thing as keeping people safe inside of a cage. So we say no more. No more. We say no more. No more. We say no more. No more. No more cop city. No more cop city. No more new jails. Because this isn't just flesh. We gotta learn what do we.
we believe. Your embodiment of freedom needs to be shown in everything that you do. When you are treating the injection drug user that comes inside of the emergency room, when you are demanding more funding for HIV and housing for people living with HIV, when you are demanding that we have drug policies that are grounded in public health and not criminalization, all of your work has to be grounded in the belief of freedom and liberation in this lifetime, not the next. So I leave you with this. Free the land! Free the land! Free the land! By any means necessary! By any means necessary! Know that we some winners. I roll with winners, I don't roll with no losers. So all y'all some winners today. If you wasn't a winner before, you a winner today. Thank you for showing up for the fight for freedom for our people. You will be rewarded royally. Thank you. This is Anna again for Indigo Radio. Thanks for listening today. I was bringing the voices from the Stop Cop City rally outside the American Public Health Association annual meeting this year. It is in Atlanta. It goes through this week. And we're going to go out with a song by Matt Rivers called So Grows the Flame, the ballad of Torchigita. Torchigita was a 26-year-old indigenous environmental activist that was executed by the Georgia State Troopers on January 18th, 2023. Torchigita was defending the forest with their hands raised. An autopsy found 57 bullet wounds to Torchigita's body. I reached out to Matt Rivers to ask if we could use his song in this episode. And so I want to give a thanks to Matt Rivers for writing and singing this beautiful song. And I want to give a nod to all of the forest defenders and for all those around the world fighting for justice. If you'll gather round people, I'll sing you a song about brave in the wee Lonnie Dong As they laid there dreaming of freedom and peace Through the pines there came creeping the Georgia police For every tree that's fell There's a cop that's gone to hell For every martyr slain So grows the flame is freedom, Tortuguita would say, with a heart full of fire and a face full of play. The songbirds all scattered for the rifles and boots, Tortuguita sat firmly among the leaves and the roots. For every tree that's fell, there's a cop that's going to hell. For every martyr slain, so grows the flame. Just a year older than 13 and 12 Caring more for the people than they did for themselves As the rifles were lowered, they raised up their hands A young life is the price a police state demands For every tree that's fell, there's a cop that's gone to hell 
out in Atlanta. The candles are lit, however many shots fired, 57 shots hit. To build a cop city, how low will they go? Thanks to brave Tortuguita, now the whole damn world knows. For every tree that's fell, there's a cop that's gone to hell. For every martyr slain, so grows the flame. I'll ask you this, people, while I still have your ear. Give weapons to war to those so full of fear, to those itchy of finger and empty of spine. Where do we put our foot down? Where do we draw the line? For every tree that's fell, there's a cop that's gone to hell. For every martyr slain, so grows the flame.